Hey, welcome to Church Alive. We hope this message is something fresh, real, and powerful for your life. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Before I get started, how awesome is this worship team? Don't go too far, because I'm going to need you real quick. Everybody got a puzzle piece? Has anyone ever done a thousand piece puzzle? So when you do a thousand piece puzzle, right, you grab the box and you empty the box on the table and you spread out the pieces and you start to look for uh, the four corners and you look for the sides and you start to look for all the middles. And and I totally forgot to tell you who I am. I'm Jordan. Um, I'm like, just want to talk about Jesus. I have three daughters, uh, 17, 14 and 12, and I want to light myself on fire. Anyway. That's all you need to know about me. So. You got the, the thousand pieces and you're on the table and, and you're spreading them out and you start to color coordinate and you start to, right, you got the corners, you got the sides, you got all the middles and you start to put uh, things in place and, and, and you know, the first couple uh, pieces you start to connect and you start to get excited and then a uh, hundred pieces are in, now you're even more excited and then days go by and weeks go by and maybe months go by if you're like me uh, and you start getting 500 pieces in place and 600 pieces in place and 800 pieces in place, 900, now you got like police caution tape around the table because you want nobody near this thing they better not touch it and so finally you got 950 pieces in place and then you're 980 and 989 and 995 and you got 999 pieces in place and you are just so excited because you are about to finish this thing and you look down uh, for the last piece to put it right in that one last spot and you You cannot find that last piece. <sighs> I mean, you start to lose your mind slowly, right? You start to maybe look under the napkins, right? And you start to maybe move the cup that you had on the counter and you just start to maybe pick up the piece, the, the whole puzzle a little bit. And you start to look on the floor and underneath the table and, and then you start to get a little crazy, right? You, you get the cushions and you grab a knife and you start to cut the cushions and, and then you start to, you, got, you, you look at the knife and you look at the dog and then you look at the knife and you look at the dog and then you start to threaten the lives of your kids and I mean, you just absolutely lose your mind. Why? Because every single piece is important. There's not one piece that doesn't matter. There's not one single puzzle piece that doesn't matter. And every single piece has a different place. It has a different function. It has a different purpose. It has a different assignment. But every single piece matters. And not one is more important than the other. You can't look at your neighbor's puzzle piece and say, hey, his puzzle piece is more important than my puzzle piece. Or her puzzle piece is more important than my puzzle piece. Or my puzzle piece is more important than their puzzle piece. There's no way you could do that. Every single piece is equally as important. And, and, and if you try to put it in another spot where it doesn't go, all right, you could try to force it, but what's going to happen? You're going to bend the piece or you're going to hurt your thumb. Every single piece was uniquely created and designated and designed and appointed and, 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 and placed in a very specific location. Way before that moment by the creator of the puzzle, he knows exactly where each piece is supposed to go. And though every piece is important, 
You can't see the whole picture with just your piece. You need all the other pieces all coming together to actually have a full puzzle. And so when your piece goes in, then all of a sudden, ooh, there, there creates space for other pieces to connect, which creates space for other pieces to connect. And then all together, we actually make the whole puzzle. You fit somewhere. You help others fit. The puzzle is incomplete without you. So stop comparing yourself to others. Stop worrying about what others are doing or what others are achieving or how many Instagram followers they have. God, does, God did not call you to be him and God did not call you to be her. God called you to be you. He needs you. You are God's only choice for your life assignment. And there's this guy in the Bible who, in the beginning, he was the right piece, but in the wrong place. I mean, this guy, I mean, few have impacted history quite like this guy. I mean, this guy was intense. This guy was no joke. This guy wrote 13, possibly 14 books of the New Testament. They, they say that he walked an average of about 20 miles a day because he was so passionate about preaching about Jesus that he just had to tell everybody all over the place I mean, this guy along the way didn't care what happened to him. I mean, this guy was uh, uh, shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. He was beaten up. He was whipped. He was thrown in jail. One time he's dragged outside the city and he's stoned and he's left for dead because they thought he was dead. And what does this guy do? He gets up, looks around, dusts his shoulders off, and he walks right back into the city to go preach about Jesus. I mean, if that was me, I would have got myself a milkshake and a cookie and called it a day. <laughs> But not Paul. But before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. So before we meet Paul, let's meet Saul. Ready? If you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 9. I want to talk to you from a thought called chosen instruments. While you're looking, Lord, help us encounter you in a way that we never thought was possible change some stuff, help us to see things as you see them, speak to our situation, speak to our reality. Precious name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody say? Amen. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. Meanwhile, we'll get to the meanwhile in a second. Uh, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared, somebody say, as he neared. As he neared. Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, that's my Jesus voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Later on in chapter 26, he's actually telling the story uh, in Acts, and he says, uh, he gives a little bit more detail. He says that Jesus said, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of, that, of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them. And he says a whole bunch of other stuff. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. 
And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument. Saul, probably around his 30s, probably around the same age as Jesus, pretty big deal for such a young guy to be at such high status. His parents are Pharisees. He was both Jewish. He also had Roman citizen, which means he has a passport to travel wherever first class uh, that he wants. Uh, This guy, uh, I mean, he was no joke even at a young age. Uh, At the age of 13, 13, he goes to study under a very famous rabbi named Gamaliel. I'm kind of a nerd. Sorry, I'm going to tell you a lot of stuff. Uh, And he goes to study the law for five Five to six years. And he's well on his way to becoming part of the Sanhedrin, which was a bunch of guys that were judges that were uh, kind of empowered uh, to uh, uh, kind of, kind of uh, carry out the law. I mean, the law was everything to these guys. These guys, uh, the law was their message and they had no wiggle room. They had no compromise. They had no grace. The law was everything for them. They were proud of the law. They said everybody had to obey the law. They were excited about it. They were like, man, if this happens, then this has to happen. I mean, you had all these, this is, this is the Torah. This is God's instruction. This is the book of Moses. Like they had all, a billion rules that if, if anything happens, if, if you break this rule, then you get to be punished. I mean, like life for a life and eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. I mean, uh, if X happens, why is the legal consequence? There was no wiggle room. There was no grace. The law was their message and they were excited about this. And Paul was one of these, or Saul was one of these guys that was excited about uh, his faith and the law. And he was going to make sure that everybody knew this message, that everybody carried out the letter of the law. And so we first meet this guy in the end of Acts chapter 7 where there's a different guy who had a different message, a guy named Stephen. He had a message of of Jesus. He had the Jesus message. Saul had the law message, and Stephen had the Jesus message. And Stephen's preaching Jesus, and some of the people in the area didn't like what Stephen was saying. And so they grab Stephen, and they bring him over here, and they're going to get ready to stone him. And so they start to look for some rocks, right? They're looking for some rocks. And then while they're looking for rocks, and all right, I found my rock. I got my rock. Put it here. Okay, Stephen's there. Got my rock. And they start to take off their outer blousey garments. Why? Because I don't know if any of you ever thrown a rock at someone's head. I hope not. Can I get a witness? Please no. (laughs) If you throw a rock at someone's head, you're going to want full rotational functionality in your throwing arm. And so these guys were taking off their outer garments. Like they didn't want anything to inhibit what was about to happen. Like you girls know what, right? When you're about to get in a fight, you're like, oh my goodness. No, 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 she didn't. It's about to go. And they take their outer garments and they bring them over to a guy who's standing there who doesn't pick up a rock, but he's nodding yes. He's saying, this guy broke the law. This guy deserves to be punished. And he nods yes and makes sure that these guys throw rocks until Stephen is dead. Saul had a bloody job and he did it with passion. It says in the book of Acts that he went from house to house. He was even so passionate about it that he went to foreign cities to hunt these people down. He gives his testimony later in chapters 22 and 26. And he's just like, man, I was so passionate about persecuting the church. And so now we come to Acts chapter 9. The meanwhile, 
And I mean, he's so excited about carrying out because he's like, man, there's some people that got the wrong message and they need to pay. They broke the law and they need to pay. And so this guy doesn't even wait for more orders. Like he finished his job and he literally goes to the high priest on his own. And he's like, hey, guys, like I need I need more uh, warrants. I need more licenses to kill. Yeah, yeah. All the other guys. Yeah, they're all dead or in jail. No, 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 I don't need a day off. Like, it's all, like I just got to get these people. No, no, it's good. I just need more warrants because these people don't understand what they're doing and they broke the law and they need to pay. So just give me my warrants and I'll be well on my way to Damascus. So he grabs his warrants. He grabs his licenses to kill. He got to keep it moving. And he gets on the road to Damascus. And from Jerusalem to Damascus, it's 135 miles. I ask myself, Jordan, are you willing to walk 135 miles to tell somebody about Jesus? Why are there people that are willing to go harder and farther to stop us from talking about Jesus than some of us are willing to actually tell somebody about Jesus? That are willing to go harder and farther to hate on us than we're willing to go and love on them. That are willing to go harder and farther to attack us, then we're willing to tell them what can save them. I'm tired of people being able to be loud about their way of thinking and, and, and their belief system and their ideologies. I'm tired about the whisper faith. I'm tired of the whisper praise. I want to be loud about my conviction. I want to be loud about my salvation. I want to be loud about my belief system. I want to be loud about my salvation. I want to be loud about my purpose and my calling. And I don't care who hears it. So verse 3 says, as he neared. So you figure 133 miles, 134 miles, right? Saul and his companions, they're on their way. They're walking days, uh, almost a week now. And, and I imagine that at night they would have to uh, set up in some either uh, motel or something or they uh, build a fire and, and, and they'd be out there. But I imagine them, he's talking with his boys like, uh, man, you know, we're, we're, what's the game plan? Like when we get to Damascus, we're going to get those Christians, those stupid Christians. They, they got the wrong message. And man, when we get there, we're, we're going to get them. And, and maybe they're talking about what they just did in Jerusalem. Maybe they're talking about Stephen and laughing about what's happened to him and, and his family and all the people that were arrested. And maybe they're just so excited about, they think they're on the right road and, and they're so close, right? Maybe Saul could see Damascus over there on the ridge. Maybe he could see the lights shimmering from the city. Maybe, I mean, so close he could smell it. I don't know how Damascus smelled, but whatever. He's so close. Saul's so close, but man, he's so far. As he neared, he's on his way, he's on this journey, he's on this road to Damascus, this road to destruction. And as he neared, on his way, on his journey, Saul hits a red light. And Jesus steps in and he knocks everybody off their horses and he stops them dead in their tracks. And he chooses to have a word with Saul. Now, 
It says the other guys heard something. They didn't realize uh, what was happening. They didn't see anything. Uh, but I, I hope they got saved. I don't know if they got saved. Uh, we don't really hear about them. But the, the spotlight was on Saul. The calling was to Saul. The name calling was to Saul. The conversation was with Saul. This was specific to him. And the conversation starts out, Saul, Saul. Anywhere in the Bible that God repeats the name twice, it is the beginning of a conversation that says, man, you got it all wrong. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you thought you were the holy city. You thought you was the place of worship. You thought you were the hometown. But every time I sent a prophet to you, you killed them. I've been trying to bring you to myself, but you haven't wanted it. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Simon, Simon, you thought you was my ride or die. You thought you was going to ride and die with me. You thought you was going to go with me to the end. But I tell you before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Simon, Simon, Martha, Martha, you thought you had the right thing. You thought you had the right job preparing dinner and making all my food but I tell you that my sister uh, your sister actually chose the right thing by spending time at my feet Martha Martha Jerusalem Jerusalem Simon Simon Martha Martha Saul Saul you thought you was on the right road you thought you had the right message you thought you were doing the right thing you thought you were on my team but man you had it all wrong <laughs> Ashley Ashley Jordan Jordan Shaquan Shaquan you thought you were supposed to be with that guy. You thought you were supposed to be with that girl. You thought you were supposed to take that job. You thought you were supposed to do that. But man, if you would just talk to me, I would put you on the right road. But you got it all twisted. So Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me. I'm sorry for keep stopping, but this conversation just gets my brain going. I'm like, Jesus, what are you talking about? Why do you persecute me? You got Stephen who's dead and his family members making funeral arrangements and you got people in jail and you got the family members in the courthouses trying to get their family members out of jail and you got people scared out of their minds running for their lives and you're straight up chilling in heaven at the right hand of the father and you're saying why do you persecute me what are you talking about he doesn't say why are you persecuting my church he doesn't say why are you persecuting them he says why do you persecute me because when you and I his sons and daughters get into some trouble and are going through some persecution and are going through some rough times. Jesus takes it personal. It's like, you know, when, when somebody messes with one of your friends, you're like, hey, you mess with them, you mess with me. That's Jesus. Jesus is like, hey, that's my son and that's my daughter. And if you mess with them, you mess with me. And so Jesus takes it personal. He gets involved. He stops whatever's happening and he says, hey, you mess with me now. And Saul's just like, um, like, who are you, Lord? Like, he doesn't know what's happening. I mean, he's completely lost uh, for words. He thought he was on the right track, but he's like, what is happening right now? Doesn't know what's happening, but immediate respect, he calls him Lord. And, and he's like, who are you, Lord? And she's like, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. I just told you that. And Saul's just like, uh, Jesus, like, Jesus, like, like the guy that just hung on the cross, Jesus, like a couple, like, right, like the guy that we switched Barabbas for, Jesus, like Easter Jesus, like, 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 I'm about to go straight up and kill some people because they believe in you, Jesus? Like, that Jesus? He's like, yeah, that Jesus. And, and Jesus is like, hey, green light, I want you to get up. 
I want you to go into the city, the same city that you was about to bring destruction to. I'm about to switch some stuff up. I'm going to change your whole journey and your whole calling. And I'm actually going to do something actually incredible that you can't even imagine that you was the complete opposite of what you thought was going to happen. Because I've appointed you and I've chosen you and I've called you and I've designed you. You little important puzzle piece. So he gets up, can't see. I imagine he's in pure agony. I imagine he's just so confused, like what in the world is happening right now? And uh, uh, in that moment, it's like he just has to reach out and hope someone grabs his hand to lead him. Uh, If you've ever been in that moment, it's like the only thing you could do is reach out and pray that God kind of grabs your hand and leads you to where he's calling you to go. And, And I imagine that Saul's just in this agony. I mean, he can't eat. He can't sleep. He can't he can't see his three days have uh, go by and uh, he's just got to be thinking about Stephen and the family members and all the people in jail. And he's just got to be thinking about all this stuff. And at the same time that Saul's eyes are shut, Ananias's eyes are opened. And, so, and Jesus actually goes over to Ananias and he says, Ananias, I have a message for you to deliver. And I want you to talk to a guy named Saul. And Ananias is like, okay, cool, Jesus. Uh, I'll I'll deliver the message. Like, what's his Instagram handle? And Jesus is like, at Saul of Tarsus. He's like, wait, wait, wait. That guy's the worst. What are you talking about? This is a suicide mission. You can't send me there. Like, he's on his way here to kill us and to torture us and to imprison us and to do all this bad stuff to us. What are you talking about? Don't you know what he's done in the past? Don't you know of all the bad things that he's done to your people and the fear that he's caused your people? And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, I know all about that. I know everything he's done. But guess what? That guy... That guy is my chosen instrument. That guy's my chosen puzzle piece. Even though all the stuff in the past, all the stuff that he's done, man, I got a special calling on that guy's life. Don't count him out just because of the stuff that you heard about what he's done in the past. No, no, no. I got some special assignments for that guy. I got a special purpose for that guy. And this is exciting. And I know I'm kind of halfway through a little bit more. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up because I just want to worship and I want to sing about Jesus and this amazing grace. But this is, this is the gospel message right here. This is the, I mean, you ready for some good news? This is the gospel message right here. I mean, as he neared, as Saul neared with the law in his pocket, as the law neared to imprison Christians and lock them up and bind them and take away their freedom and kill them as it neared, as the law neared. The law was on its way to kill us, to take away our freedom, to imprison us, to lock us up, to bind us. As it got so close, as it was on its way to find us, While we were yet sinners, while we were on the road to destruction, while we were uh, on the way to not only hurt ourselves more, but hurt the lives of others, while we were uh, on our way to get deeper into sin, Jesus steps in 
And he shines a light on the situation and he calls us out by name and he reveals some stuff and he changes some stuff up and he, he calls us and he's like, hey! I mean, the law was on its way to take us away. I mean, like, the law had us on trial and we're facing the death penalty. And the prosecution's laid out all the evidence and everybody in the room knows the verdict and everyone's looking at us with eyes of, of, of pity and shame. And the judge slams down the gavel and he says the wages of sin is death. But at your darkest, most blinded moment, at your darkest, most blinded moment, amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Amazing grace. I mean, the, the, the judge slammed down the gavel and said the wages of sin is death, but then that same judge comes around and he actually says, move over, Jordan, and he stands in my place and he says, hey, but the gift of God is eternal life. I'm not, I'm not calling you out and I'm not shining a light and revealing some stuff and I'm not doing that for persecution. I'm not doing that for punishment. I'm actually doing that because I love you and because I've called you and I have a purpose for you and I've called you to be my chosen instrument. I have a place for you, you little important puzzle piece. You, you got a piece, you got a place right there in the puzzle and I want you to go where I've placed you. You're trying to maybe fit in everywhere else. You're trying to fit in, you're trying to force it over here or force it over here. But man, and I got a very specific location for you. Because of this amazing grace, everything changes for Saul. I mean, everything absolutely changes for Saul. I mean, Jesus calls him, he says, you are my chosen instrument. And then everything changes. He goes from the law being his message to Jesus being his message and grace being his message. He goes from murderous threats to love notes. He, he goes from death to life. He goes from upholding Old Testament law to writing 13, possibly 14 books of the New Testament. He, he goes from the word, uh, 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 the, the, the written word to the word made flesh. He, he goes from law to grace and he goes from Saul to Paul. And then now this Saul, this Paul, he is so excited about what's happening. I mean, he's just so excited about uh, this new message that he has. I mean, before, right, he was uh, uh, passionate about persecuting Jesus. And now he's passionate about preaching about Jesus. I mean, he's just got to tell everybody. And so he's like, hey, I, I, everybody's got to know about this Jesus. And so he starts to write letters. And so he says to the Romans, he says, uh, uh, he says, he says to the Romans, he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. 
Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And to the Corinthians he says the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. He, Jesus, has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death but under the new covenant the Spirit gives life. And to Galatians he says you are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated, cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace into the Ephesians because of his great love God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and to the Philippians he says not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ and to the Colossians he says having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us he has taken it away nailing it to the cross and to the Thessalonians he says we have been appointed to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and by his grace gave us hope and to Timothy he says this grace that was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time into Titus. He says he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace we might become heirs having hope of eternal life. It's a Philemon. He says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And just in case he wrote Hebrews he says the law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced. Jesus is the better covenant. The law said you're a broken instrument. Jesus says you're my chosen instrument. Law loses, grace wins. Law loses, Jesus wins. You got the wrong guy. It's not in the itinerary today, Jesus. Ain't nobody got time for that. There's 999 other puzzle pieces. Use any one of them. I'm not the right guy. I'm just not that smart. I think you called the wrong person. I don't have the job description. I don't have the title. I don't sit in the front row. I'm not on the stage. I'm not one of the worship leaders. Man, choose somebody else. Man, I'll give another time. or I'll serve another time. I'll do that another time. I think to myself, are there Pauls that are still Saul's because I haven't been Ananias? We never even hear about Ananias again, but that doesn't matter. Ananias was called for a very specific place and location. It didn't matter what it was going to cost him. It didn't matter what people were going to think. It didn't matter. And I wonder if there's anyone in the room, we're going to pray in a second, that would say, God, I want to put all my insecurities and all my fears behind me. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to put that up on the board like, hey, don't use me today or don't use me for this or maybe I'll just sit in the back or I'll serve another time. Man, I don't want any of that. God, I am your chosen instrument. I am your chosen puzzle piece. Use me however it is, whatever it costs, whatever people think about me, it doesn't matter. If people never hear about me again, it doesn't matter. Wherever you place me, where I, exactly how you've created me and designed me, that's all I want for my life. And then maybe there's somebody else in the room. God's calling you out. He's shining a light on your situation. He's calling you by name, maybe twice, saying, Saul, Saul, I've called you for something more and 
You've been running, you've been on the wrong road. You thought you had it all together. You thought nobody will find out. YOLO, you thought you only live once. You, you thought all that stuff, but God's literally calling you out right now and he's shining a light on your situation and saying, man, I came to choose you. I came to use you. You are my chosen instrument. And you say, Jordan, man, you have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea what I've done. Maybe it was five years ago or last week or this afternoon. You have no idea. This same guy, Paul, I love it. This same guy, Paul, the worst of sinners, he calls himself. He says, man, if there's this one thing that I do, he wrote a lot of stuff. If there's this one thing, if there's one thing I could do, this is the thing that I would do. Forgetting what's behind me. Man, I'm pressing forward. Uh, my eyes are locked on Jesus. I'm not looking backwards anymore. I'm not looking that way anymore. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Jesus is my everything. God, I want only what you have for me. I moved last year. I moved last year, real quick. I moved last year and I was living over here in Queens and then I moved over here to Long Island and, 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 and the day that me and my children, we moved, we gathered all our stuff and we took it over here to the new house, right? And we put it in the new house and we set up in the new house and, and we slept there that night and the next morning we didn't go back to the old house. We weren't even tempted to go back to the old house. It wasn't our house anymore. I don't live there anymore. I didn't have the keys there anymore. If I tried to get back into the house, it would be breaking and entering. I would be in jail. I don't need to be in that house. I don't need to invest in this house. I don't need to go back here. I don't live there anymore. Man, I live over here now. So I'm going to invest in this now. I'm going to spend my time here now for my children and my children's children and the people that are around me and my neighbors because it's for them because lives depend on how we live. And I believe that there's some name changes happening. I believe that's, that God's actually calling you out and saying, man, I called you. You're my chosen instrument. I, I want to change some names. I, I want to show you really who I am and show you who you are who you've been called to do, uh, called to be, and what you've been called to do. Anywhere in the Bible, God changes the name of somebody, whether it was Abram to Abraham, or Sarah to Sarah, or Jacob to Israel, or Simon to Peter, or Saul to Paul. It was always after a greater divine revelation of who God is, and then quickly followed by a greater divine revelation of who that person was called to be, and what they were called to do. And right now, if everybody would close their eyes, we're going to worship one more time. I'm going to ask Pastor Anthony to come up and pray for us. But if you would just say, God, I am your chosen instrument. Use me however you want to use me. I don't want to put my insecurities on the table. I don't want to shrink back anymore. Man, I want to be all in. Change the name. Change anything that you got to change. Change the insides. Man, I want everything changed so that I could just be fully committed because I believe that I was created and designed and appointed and anointed to serve you and to serve your calling, whatever that looks like. If there's anybody in the room, as we worship, would you lift up that hand? We're going to pray. Because you are his chosen instrument. Let's sing that one more time. Amazing grace to Pastor Anthony. I want you to come up and pray for us. If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.